is Raising the Stakes, the ABS Beef in Focus podcast. My name is Taylor, and I'm here to find all the cutting-edge science and innovation the team at ABS is pioneering for those of us that rise and shine every day in the cattle industry. We have to find ways to feed the world and our families, and that's why the ABS Beef in Focus and New Era teams will share with us how they work each day to cultivate solutions to help us be more profitable more sustainable, and more resilient in our efforts to satisfy our goals as well as the consumers. So stick around and we'll get into segment one of this episode right now. Welcome back to Raising the Stakes. It has been two weeks since I've talked to you guys, and now we are on with our bonus blooper episode. Now, there were not as many bloopers as I had originally thought, which is just a huge compliment and shout out to our amazing guests. They are great speakers, and they know how to tell a story. I'm going to also include some of my favorite quotes from throughout the season, and then we're going to get into season two. I got to tell you guys, this podcast is growing. Our subjects, what we're talking about. Season two is in the works right now. And the guests, the global impact, what we're building. I mean, I cannot wait to share with you guys what we've got in the pipeline. So stick around. We're going to listen to some bloopers. We're going to listen to some fantastic moments from this season. And then we're going to figure out what the future holds. All right, guys. We were just in Kansas out at a feed yard at High Plains, and they were talking about how hardy these cattle need to be also. So you're saying they need to be muscular and, and obviously stand on their own two feet, but then, you know, they're Four feet. Four feet. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, they were, I thought they were chickens. <laughs> um, and and they, they obviously have to be able to have their... Maybe they all... Do it again. Okay. okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. Using technology like ABS New Era is pioneering. Nathan was doing the wedding stuff over the weekend. I said, you get a polka band hired. He says, no. I said, I'd definitely <laughs> go to polka classes if we can, if he gets a band. <laughs> Poker? I, w- I was thinking that we should do an episode of Brandon telling everybody, you know, how to stay away from, from COVID with that. Bourbon and cigar. I, I tested positive for the antibodies. I kicked this pandemic right in the teeth. And I'm telling you, I did it with the help of Kentucky's <laughs> finest spirits and a cigar here and there. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but I've seen those shows before. I know how this stuff works. That's exactly how you beat coronavirus. <laughs> Taylor, I just want to suggest when you pick out your music, no Maroon 5. That's sissy stuff. We don't want that. Oh, no, you better man. go Justin Bieber. Yeah, I was going to say, but Despacito, Jared, Jared would love that. He was running last week and it was all pit bull. <laughs> That's horrible. Well done. Well done, Taylor. Just quickly, on the Kozak, Taylor, I wonder if it's worth mentioning the genus PLC, so Central's goals of 30% reduction in CO2 emissions by 2020, 
2030 and becoming net zero by 2050. It might just be worth just calling those out. You all need to pay attention to the 2050 stuff. Dan and I are out. (laughs) So what was it? I'm thinking about a dirt nap. (laughs) We drink real milk. We eat plants, but it's in a bowl called salad. And uh, we we eat steak. Beef and focus steak. America. For sure. Rock on, man. Better than Great Britain. <laughs> shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. Is the British are coming. The British are coming. When, Sammy, when you are able to move to the U.S., can we please make that the announcement? The British are coming. The British are coming. <laughs> they have a little Paul Revere. And a <laughs> I'm going to come with a little flag. Yeah, um, should. one flag of the like the UK flag and one picture of the Queenie in the other hand. <laughs> USA. USA. <laughs> I do a live stream of me uh, traveling. You never know. <laughs> you should. Right on. Genus, our parent company, has two goals. So they have a goal of reducing uh, our greenhouse gas emissions by 25% by 2030 and also becoming net zero for carbon emissions in 2050. So the PLC has goals to achieve and we are part of achieving those goals. Obviously, from our point of view, our operations, with the way we do business, needs to become more sustainable. But a huge part of what we do is the genetics that we produce and making sure that our customers using our products and solutions, their businesses need to become more sustainable as well. And we can impact that with our genetics and solutions. How important do you think communication on sustainability of cattle production is already. We already see some. We're seeing rotational waste management systems within the dairy. They're collecting waste. I heard the other day in Wisconsin, waste is money. It's money on the ground because you're you're then putting it on the corn to fertilize and then you're feeding that corn back to the cattle sometimes. How are we already sustaining? But then this beef sector takes it further, as you've said. So I'm curious to kind of crack open that conversation with you. Why is communication on this to my ranchers out there listening, to my production-oriented customers listening? Why is communication the answer to everything? Communication is a massive thing. And I think quite a lot in the industry and whether you mean by sort of consumer communication or actually communication within the industry, I think people are almost... Um, you have obviously quite a lot of that, uh, people that are happy to speak up, uh, but also a lot of people that kind of they don't want to speak up about it because of the potential backlash that they'll get. I honestly think communication is really, really important. I know from from our point of view, cattle production, bovine are an essential part of the biogenic carbon cycle. I think a lot of consumers lose that kind of information and they think that the planet would be fine if animals were not farmed crops were not farmed you know and things were left to go wild but actually those animals are part of a solution so beef production is part of a solution and to create a healthy product for consumers to eat you know that people infrastructure about how many people love the industry want to do great things that pride in ownership of 
large dairy operations, large beef operations, and how they appreciate their cattle and the teams of people that are uh, part of their operation is really, really just energizing. But one of the things you can say around in the entire world is agriculture is kind of the lifeblood of so many parts in the world. And while, you know, sometimes agriculture gets a bad viewpoint around, you know, is it good for the environment or bad for the environment? The fact is none of us would be living if it wasn't for agriculture. And that's something that is just, you know, transcends globally across all country borders. And I think the appreciation for agriculture is we oftentimes think about that 10% of the population that doesn't appreciate it. And one of the things I think about when I think about my global travels is in a lot of other countries, that 10% that doesn't appreciate agriculture here in the U S doesn't exist in those countries. They all want agriculture. They all want to drink more milk. They want to eat more beef. They would love to be able to do more of that. So more of their people could eat uh, healthy, nutritious food. And they know that would be good for the population in their community, in their country. And that's what we're kind of in the business of doing. And that's something that extends all over the world. It's easy to take that for granted too, because being based here in the States where we have a very mature economy, we, we you know, agriculture has been a part of our world for so long. But when you travel to like emerging economies where, you know, they're just starting to get the appetite for beef and uh, well, protein and, and, and dairy products, and you see how excited they are, you know, Nate, Nate kind of triggered a memory with some of the places I went to when he talked about that, you know, we, we forget how blessed we are to have what we have here and how easy and how cheap it is, quite frankly, because there are still places in the world that, you know, they can't just go and get quality milk and protein off the shelf. But once it's made available to a man, do they get an appetite for it? We were reminded of that last year at the beginning of COVID, right? Where you can yeah. only buy one gallon of milk at a time. And, you, you know, the beef shelves were sometimes empty. And that's how some of these other countries actually are. And, you know, so they look forward to a time when everybody can get what they want and everybody also can afford what they want, which is part of this efficiency aspect of being able to uh, afford what, uh, you know, re- the, the food that they want to consume. I've got three children, three girls that are all very unique and may or may not have a future in ag industry. I, I, I sure hope that it uh, crosses their radar and I think it will, but I would, I would tell them train yourself. Um, the lifelong learner type of philosophy is what you're going to have to have, whether it's, whether it's straight up production systems to technology and science to marketing to customer facing businesses i i think there's an immense immense amount of opportunity just work show up and work it's just that simple train yourself and show up to work because that right now seems to be a little bit of an issue in in a lot of industries but i i think if you've got a a willingness uh, and ability to learn and to show up every day have some passion man there's opportunities everywhere i see it all the time I travel this country, have for years, and it's it, there's a lot of opportunity. So I would really encourage anyone that has a passion for food production, agriculture, beef, dairy, et cetera. Just, there are places. There's a place for you in the industry. You just got to look for it. Find your find your point of integration. Yeah, that's that's an awesome message. Do you think that open and transparent communication about what we do as an industry is important internally and externally? Oh yeah, we don't have a choice. As I mentioned earlier, we 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 make food. When you when you're in charge of producing people's food, and now on a a scale 
that is that is more global than ever before. It's just a no-brainer. Would we send our kids to school and and not expect the teachers to be vetted in some way? The principal or the 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 school nurse to be vetted in some way? I'm talking about food, people want their food vetted. They want to verify that that we're doing the little things right. I mean, our industry is awesome. I mean, we are so far ahead of of uh, the global production systems as far as what we what we expect of ourselves. But there's room. There's still room to improve, and there always will be. And I think that's the one thing people must understand. It's it's continuous improvement. It will never be all right. We made it. We're done. We're here. Now it's going to be all right. We're gonna we're gonna get a little better every day. Just like the lifelong learner lesson we just talked about. With our production systems, we've got to get a little better. Now, I know everybody says somebody's got to pay for it, and that's absolutely right. We've got to figure out who's going to pay for it, and that's where our role and our space in the industry comes in. We've got to find solutions to help producers be more successful, more profitable. So it is a a natural, continuous improvement cycle that they're in. As you can imagine, with all with 4,500 grocery stores, Give or take a hundred, I, I, I can't ever quite keep up with all the numbers that you hear at Walmart. But uh, they have consumers that are voting every single day, and their consumers are voting with their pocketbook, and they're voting on the number of items that they put into their, into their cart. What they are deciding on has a huge impact on all the other segments of the industry. Part of the issue that the beef business has is that we have just a lot of distrust from consumers. I I like to think about the context is that when I was in my 20s or teens, almost everyone I knew and almost everyone, even in cities, had some relative that was back on the farm. Consumers had a connection to the industry, the agriculture industry. And then probably starting in, in the 1980s or something and beyond, we started having generation after generation who had never had a contact with the farm at all. And we as ranchers and farmers were assuming that people thought of us as wholesome and they thought that we were doing the right thing and that they thought that we were the backbone of America. And all the while, they were getting further and further away from the food chain, from where it actually came from. A lot of consumers can relate to moving through the pandemic. Walmart kept their doors open. They kept feeding the world. What kind of effect did the pandemic have on beef prices? How do you think beef producers and retailers can risk manage in case something like this happens again? Everyone's crystal ball has a crack in it. All of the things that we knew as the standards that we could predict from had been have been shaken up like a snow globe. You know what happened in March of 2020 is... It didn't matter whether the meat came from the Prime Pursuits supply chain. It didn't matter if the meat came from any supplier. They took whatever meat they could get and they sorted it out as much as they could throughout the stores. And they managed along with the rest of the U.S. economy. One of the quotes that the CEO of Walmart U.S., the new one, one thing that they learned during the pandemic was the American customers want beef and they want toilet paper. As I reflect on the podcast, I think about what an awesome experience this has been. I have made so many new friends in the industry, and I've learned so much. I'm so grateful for my team, my new friends, and the opportunities to travel and interview with them. 
Thank you, ABS. Thank you, Genus PLC, for hiring me, taking me on. Thank you, Brandon, for hiring me and my team. Being an intern and starting a podcast was something I was not expecting to do. And I'm so grateful for the support from my company, from the industry, from all of it. So you bet I'm going to come back stronger in season two. Season two is going to include guests from Brazil, from Australia, well-known feedlots in the U.S. We're going to crack open the new era story a bit more and touch on native beef production even. We're still going to continue to tell the story of beef in focus, but we are just getting started. So check out our social media pages for more news on season two release dates. I think it's going to be sooner than you might think. I've got some work to do, but as always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We'll see you next time on Raising the Stakes.